Welcome to Level 7, Episode 145, Marvel's Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 10, Hollywood Ending. Welcome to Level 7. Podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Good evening and welcome, fellow agents. It's Agent Daniel Butcher here, and I'm feeling an ending coming on. Or maybe it's a beginning, but I don't know. Let's talk more. A good friend who knows a lot about beginnings and endings and the fact that time's a circle. Hi, my name's Ben. Ben Avery. And I believe that time is a circle. A circle that goes from one end to another in a straight line. Okay, well, that's interesting because for a minute I thought you were going to say that love is a battlefield. And that would have just been odd. I don't know the reference to that one. But... I'm going to nod my head as if I do know. No one knows that I'm nodding my head. That's why I had to tell you that. Uh, And now everyone knows that I don't know what it means anyway. So why am I nodding my head? I should just stop right now. Oh, you probably should stop nodding. And maybe we should go to uh, our intelligence report. Yeah, yeah. Because this is the episode about the season finale of Marvel's Agent Carter. But after I play this little stinger thing, Right here, we're going to talk about, is it actually the season finale or the series finale? So here we go. SSR Intelligence Report. So Daniel, there's been a lot of talk about if this is the last episode ever of Agent Carter. Well, I think that Agent Hank found an important piece of what I'm going to call news, not just rumor, but news, Ben. Well, it's a it's definitely someone in the know talking about something she should know about, but also being vague enough that, you know, it she could be wrong. But it gives us hope. And where there is hope, there is hope. I hope. fumbled that one. Yeah, it sounds a lot like Jessica Jones is where we were going there. But <laughs> in a recent interview with IGN, our leading lady Haley Atwell said the following. ABC has assured me that it would actually be possible if both shows got picked up for me to be for me to do both. So by saying yes to the pilot of conviction does not automatically say that's it for Peggy and Jarvis at all. It just means that they had a show that they liked me to do. And there's a possibility to do both at some point. Here's the thing, Ben. I think we know one thing for sure. What is that one thing we know for sure? Haley's not done being Peggy. Sure. Sure. Now, is it going to be in the time slot for Hey Girl? I don't know. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially considering the end of this episode that we're about to talk about here. But, yeah, she makes it sound like ABC is totally okay with scheduling things around both shows. And if that works out, great. 
it does not work out, she still gets paid. There's options. There's options. I but think it's definitely clear she's not done being Peggy. At least she doesn't want to be done. And in fact, agents are so excited about it, Ben, as we're recording, Agent Dylan just posted it again. That same article? Yes. You know, it, it it's something to hold on to as you're looking to hold on to hope. She basically says they're not against doing a third season of Agent Carter. But we can't know until the upfronts at the end of the I would say at the end of the school year, but toward the end of the season where we find out what is coming back next season and what is being picked up new next season. You know what, Ben? We said that was the only news we had. Yes. But it's so, so wrong. Can I take you through some other important things we need to discuss? Okay. Okay. March 13th, 9 a.m. Disney XD. Two more of our heroes join the ultimate universe as agent Fitz and Simmons show up on an episode of Marvel's ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. And it is actually Ian DeCaster. And I just fumbled again. What's Elizabeth Henstridge. Elizabeth Henstridge. <sighs> wow. I need to maybe start this episode over or something. You know what, buddy? We're going to just continue to move on with confidence. But I think this is pretty cool. Now, I do have a problem. My DVR, for some reason, refuses to record Ultimate Spider-Man, so I actually don't have these episodes on anymore. But maybe I'll make sure to catch this one. This is already uh, aired? March 13th. Oh, March 13th. Oh, so you're saying that the old episodes are gone. No, no. I'm saying my DVR for some reason won't record it. I don't know if it's because they changed it to Web Warriors. I've tried to change it a few times. It's very frustrating. Huh. Okay. I've kind of given up. I've also given up watching the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon. I just don't have time. I'm, I'm sorry, man. But that's not all. That's not? Okay. Because last week you sent me a message that said, hey, should we post this as being rumor? And you know how we feel about rumors. We don't like to post rumors unless it's a discussion starter. And this really felt like if it was a rumor, it's not really starting any discussion. And then it was uh, confirmed not too long after we decided not to post it. Yeah. (laughs) And then we did post it because we we do think that Entertainment Weekly is a pretty solid source. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But which we do have our actor. To play Danny Rand, which is Game of Thrones actor Finn Jones. You're the Game of Thrones expert here. Tell us what we need to know. I don't watch the show, and I haven't watched the show. But he's blonde. He looks like he could be Danny Rand. (laughs) He does look like it. I mean, the photos that have been posted, even though they're like red carpet photos or something like that for some sort of whatever, you know, opening or, or something like that. Whatever these pictures are coming from, he looks like he could be Danny Rand. Especially now, a modern like, iteration of, I mean, he looks like he looks like he's Danny Rand. the modern da- Danny Rand before he becomes Iron Fist. And I'll admit it. I like it. I know there was a lot of controversy about whether or not we should have a character of Asian descent playing Danny because of the fact that there's going to be a lot of Asian imagery in this show. And that's a valid concern. But I will say that there are other characters, both good and bad in the Iron Fist family. Of of characters, we've already seen one in a, a reimagined Jaren. Yeah, but I mean, the question isn't: Do we have people of Asian descent in the show? It's the lead. 
of the show. And this would be the first opportunity for a title character. But here's you what know, well, and, here's and, what I think we'd love to see. Well, I wasn't excited about this, but I just recently read a great volume from Secret Wars. But we can see Shang-Chi. Oh, I'm hoping for show. him. I'm hoping for Shang-Chi. That would be not I, I just read that Battle World Secret War tie-in Shang-Chi. It was fantastic. It was one of my favorites. I'm I'm just saying, I mean, the uh, the one article that I saw about it is pretty perfect. The title was in a lose-lose situation, Marvel chose lose. And basically they're saying if they had chosen to cast someone who wasn't white to play the part of Danny Rand, that people would end up in arms because they're going against what the character is, you know. And if they had chosen to cast someone who is white, which is what they went with, then people beat up in arms because it's a white character who, as someone once said in some blog posters or other, who out Asians the Asians and, you know, who becomes the best of the best of the Asians, you know, as he's becoming his Kung Fu master or whatever. And and that's where, you know, I, I they could have done it. They could have gone either way. They'll probably tell good stories with the direction they went with. They could have done good stories the other direction. Um, it's, well, well, I do think, though, that it's important to note that this does give us a possibility of a certain type of story, which is we've talked before about you know, Captain America being the man out of time. This gives us the opportunity to tell stories when we're in Kunlun. That is the man out of culture. And I think it also gives us opportunity to tell the story of a privileged white kid who learns about, you know, other cultures and and becomes a a Batman in some ways, a a hero who is able to use his money and wealth. But again, you could tell that story without his his skin being white. And so I understand both sides as as they've been kind of duking it out out there Um, on the on the flip side. You know, it, either way, they could have taken a risk and gone one way or they could play it safer and go another way. I do think that you don't have quite the visual imagery of what you get with Power Man and Iron Fist. Well, and exactly, if you had gone with someone the- who wasn't white for, for Iron Fist. And, and that's pretty much for me the only real like benefit to him being exactly as he is in the comic well and i think that's a huge benefit because to be blunt i mean we've just gotten off a show with agent carter that's talked about issues of race and racism the thing is is danny rand and luke cage are a black man and a white man and they're as close as brothers can be and they're from very very different backgrounds and it is very very much a statement it really is. And it's interesting to watch the interaction, you know, when you talk about those stories, you know, Luke Cage and some of those those 70s uh, Heroes for Hire stories, very resentful of the fact that Danny just wants to give him things. You know, you don't understand me where I've been. Well, you also don't understand where Danny's been from. He doesn't at a certain extent in some of those stories. There's some great stories. Danny doesn't understand money. Yeah, he just has it. Here's the other interesting thing that I, I just thought of is Luke Cage in this Netflix corner. I don't know how this will work bringing Daredevil in, but as far as the defenders go, he's kind of the glue. 
he's got the relationship with Jessica Jones and he'll potentially, I would assume, have the relationship with with Danny Rand. Uh, I'm very curious where they go with things. I think Luke Cage is going to the, the show is going to tackle issues of racism. Um, I I would like to see, though, is the the Iron Fist series going to dive into these two men becoming really close friends and i would love to see that i think i again no matter what the race of danny rand ended up being they could do these stories it's just that striking visual imagery of this you know thin lean white boy with blonde hair surfer kid almost um and then the very tough and strong african-american but i will say Right now, the visual that is out there for Iron Fist with alternate, uh, alternate, ultimate Spider-Man, alternate Spider-Man would be a different thing, but ultimate Spider-Man, it is the the classic image of Danny Rand, and that's what kids know. And you know, kids love their Netflix superheroes. Oh, <laughs> um, my kids don't watch them, but you know, right. as you, you've recently heard me uh, rant electronically, Ben. I've recently discovered a hidden master that no one's ever talked about amongst comic book writing uh, because she only wrote for a small amount of time in, in the person, the writer of Joe Duffy. She's not a hidden master. Well, I think she is. I think people don't talk enough about Joe Duffy just because she was like a, a blinding light of greatness. And then she went into non-comic work. And so it's not like she wrote for decades and decades and decades, but I will give her huge props on two things. And and I know you're going to agree with me somewhat. One prop, she finished the original Star Wars Marvel series. Yes. That was a massive undertaking because she literally had to define what happened after Return of the Jedi. And what she said, what the stories she laid were the only stories that were around for years about what happened to our classic heroes after Return of the Jedi. Before Return of the Jedi, she had a great artistic writing challenge of how do you write cool Star Wars stories without being able to use some of your characters like Han Solo. And she did pretty good. She, she wasn't the only really one. Good. She wasn't the only one in that period that, that did well, but she, but, she did. But she finished it. Yeah. You know, she led up to Return of the Jedi and then she finished it after Return of the Jedi. The other thing is she is the one who wrote the majority of the great Iron Fist and Power Man stories. They're the heroes for higher run. And again, the things that you're seeing there, I'd read some Marvel team up where I would call some, call it some pretty immature writing with heroes for hire. This is not the writing that we get in Joe Duffy's time. And I really hope they mind that the idea of these two men, two different cultures, two different classes, two different colors, two different economic statuses and being able to find ways for them to grow so close that they are brothers regardless the, of race or finances. And the, the tough job here is going to be to do so on the screen without diving into cliche, because I feel like that's the one thing with daredevil, although daredevil did get there a little bit, but with daredevil and Jessica Jones, they've been able to rise above the cliche. And that's, what's going to have to happen here with, with Luke Cage and, and iron fist. So we'll see. We'll see. It's hard for superhero stories to rise above cliche because there's so many cliches there. All right. Well, should we move on? They're going to fight because Stan Lee 
basically said it's a law. What's a law? Superheroes meet for the first time. They got to fight. Yeah, because you get some cool. Yeah, events. he didn't like it. He just he's identified it as a clear thing that has to happen. He doesn't like it, but it has to happen. Yeah, I do like it if it's done well and it rises above the cliche. Usually, that does not. But yeah, that that rarely rises above the cliche. Well, I'm not going to say anything more, but there is a situation of that happening in something we're going to be talking about where it does rise above in a uh. painful, emotionally gut-wrenching way. But we need to move on because we're not here to talk about Netflix for an entire episode. No, we have Agent Carter to talk about. Are you ready? Oh, wait, we have one more thing to kind of say. I thought we only have one news item. <laughs> well, we have an, a news item about us that we really need to be honest about. Oh, okay, because usually we lie. About yeah. everything. So here's our honest. We're liars and liars who lie about it. They've met you, Ben. But here's our honest thing. Next Tuesday, when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. premieres, neither you or I will be watching it on that evening. We can't. We can't. Uh, there will be episodes getting posted. And probably that night, there might even be an episode that gets posted that's not about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But, yeah, we got life happening. And... We'll the be next posting few weeks as we are can. Gonna be weird. Yeah, they are. They are. So we promise you an episode's coming. We just don't know how to time it out. We're figuring it out. It'll be fine. You'll be fine, Daniel. Man, it's all a question about it's whether all or not it's his I'll... fault. Oh, that is a lie. It's not a lie because it's it is all equally my Daniel's fault. Daniel's fault. Okay, it's my fault. And mine. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So that's upcoming. All right. You ready now? I am. Let's move on here to. Wait, one last time. SS submission report. <sighs> Will this be the last time we use those sounders? <sighs> Unknown. Unknown. Until the upfronts at the end of the television season. Title of this episode, Daniel, is Hollywood Ending. Hollywood Ending. And you know what, Daniel? Spoiler alert. It ends in Hollywood. (gasps) What? You want to talk about the tin doing what it says? Is that the phrase? Is that Albert? It does what it says on the tin. Albert in a can you out there? I got nothing. (laughs) No. Well, I'm not going to go any further. But... Yeah, so you let's talk about this episode. Lots happening, and then we can talk about if this is a satisfying conclusion, especially considering the cliffhanger. I'm just going to say tears and jeers. Ending. Tears and jeers. That is your theme for the evening. Is that correct? Yeah, it is my theme for the night. All right. Well, are you jeering or are you tearing up as you're watching Hollywood ending, Daniel? I mostly liked it. Mostly liked it? And I, I liked being proven true, mostly. Well, let's talk about our opening. Okay. Our opening is 60 seconds ago. <laughs> Which, I don't know why they had to put the title card there, but here yeah, we are. I, yeah. It, it, it's it's exactly what they say. And yeah. we I have the standoff. see if it was exactly 60 seconds. <laughs> We have the standoff with the uh, detonator for the bomb at the factory thing. Not the factory, though. 
the waste treatment plant. Uh, the gamma cannon has not been set off, but something did explode. They go and inside. Zero matter Thompson is... wasn't shot. What? Thompson wasn't shot either. No, no. I was a little worried maybe the explosion may have made Peggy pull the trigger. Well, it didn't. Our team is fine. And they all go in. Samberly, Peggy, Souza, Thompson. They find zero matter is all over the floor. And they're... Oh, Wilkes is also on the floor. And oh, Frost is also on the floor. The zero matter is absorbed into her body. Everything is where it belongs. She says, Carter and the gang run away. Samberly is nowhere to be found. Jarvis is also not there yet, but he speeds in, slamming into, into Frost, knocking her to the ground. Uh, Howard Stark gives a snarky reply, which we can talk about. And everyone gets in the car and drives away. Samberly also has a car, so they're they're evenly spread out. They've got two vehicles, and they, they can make their escape. So Howard Stark pops his head out the door, Daniel. Were you expecting <laughs> to see him that night? Um, I think he came 60 seconds ago. <laughs> um, yes and no. I didn't expect to see him at this exact same moment. I liked his inclusion at this time. It was a nice little piece of comic relief. Uh, it reminded us that we just exited award season. Yeah, that was kind of a, a nice little bit of synergy there. It was. Did ABC have the Oscars this year? I can't remember, but I think so. Yes, they did. They did. Synergy. Synergy. Jarvis, they should have probably doubled up a different week so they could have moved this episode forward. Jarvis, you just hit a woman with my car. She's a two-time Oscar <laughs> nominee. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it fell flat. It fell flat. I liked it. He pops his head out the door. He says that line, and I'm just, what's he doing here now? How? Uh, see, I liked it. He, he, you know, in the past, we've had Jarvis as the comic relief. Howard was totally the comic relief in this one. There was very little that Howard did that was supposed to be funny that I found to be actually funny. And see, I found it funny. And I I'm immature, not. though, Ben. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, you do like Deadpool. Yeah. But hey, will you get me a Deadpool pop? Why? It's autographed by Stan Lee. I just need 80 bucks. <laughs> no. And yeah. What's I know he doing Stanley signing a Deadpool nothing. pop? Did he ever, ever write Deadpool? No. I guess no. he was in the movie. So I guess that's, yeah, that's but a connection. I, I, I think it's literally like, give me the money. Nah. So we come back to Stark's house and Wilkes is kind of figuring out what happened. He's telling them a little bit about what happened on the other side for him, but he's back to normal. He is back to normal. And that is good. You know, who's not back to normal. Frost. Yeah. And she's pulling a Colson, man. She's writing on the walls, all this stuff. She's putting papers up on the wall and man, Freddie, he doesn't understand it and he doesn't like it. But his mom... Wait, who? Man, Freddy. Okay. I thought you said Freddy there for a second. No. I was like, no. Man, Freddy. Man, Freddy. He, he doesn't like it. And so he talks to his mom, and his mom says, do you love her? And you have to make a deal with the devil. And who is the devil that he has to make a deal with? Well, it's Carter. Carter See, and her I'll, people. I'll have to admit, I totally missed that. And my oldest yelled out, it's Peggy. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm so slow. 
Yeah. So Wilkes is having breakfast with Carter and Stark out on the nice little patio thing. And they're trying to decide what to do about the Zero Matter. Do you destroy her? But then the Zero Matter is still here. Do we try and capture the Zero Matter? But then the Zero Matter is in Stark's hands. And Stark is waiting for his mustard. And this is grating on me. His voice as he's calling for this mustard bugged me. It bugged me so much. Well, how do you ask for mustard from your butler? Well, I mean, I would yell at him, of course, and be rude and mean and stuff. But it's just the tone of the meanness. It just it felt like they were trying to play it for laughs, which they were. And I just wasn't laughing. But then, you know, when I did laugh. When Jarvis comes in with the mustard, his hands held high up in the air. I'm not laughing at that. That's C-3PO-ing him as uh, one of our listeners. Sorry, listener. I can't remember who said this, but it's C-3PO-ing him. Uh, He's got a gun at his back. It's Manfredi. And then we find out that uh, as Manfredi's there and he accuses Stark of stealing his underwear. And Stark and Manfredi have a relationship. They actually have what could almost be called a friendship. And Manfredi yeah, definitely seen some times together. Yeah. And Manfredi says, we all have something in common. We're all worried about Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm laughing here and I'm laughing at Stark and, and, and that stuff there. But the mustard stuff was just, Oh, come on, man. Uh, See, and I like the mustard stuff. Uh, you know what? Maybe that's because you like mustard. Do you like mustard? I'm fine with mustard. So you can go into a sandwich place, order a sandwich, and if they put mustard on it, you're okay. But yeah, if they get I, my order I, wrong and I ask for no mustard and it goes on the sandwich, I can't eat the sandwich. Yeah, I like a good spicy mustard on a sandwich. Yeah, see, I'm just a really picky eater. So, Ben, I, I think before we go to the commercial break here, we do need to talk about something a little bit more in depth. Well, this is the commercial break. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I'm pausing it here. Um, Wilkes gives us some information about what he saw in the crack and <laughs> sorry. I know I I'm said immature. crack I'm sorry um, and I'm the immature one yeah um, basically he, he describes a place where there is only dark matter that dark matter has consumed everything I and, and it wants to come to us so it can now consume us because there's nothing else for it to eat consume fuel itself with on the other side of the rift it was and that's freezing. really where the issue is, is if you find a way to open up this rift, it's going to come through. Yeah. So you have to put it in safeguards somehow. Yeah, this is a very dangerous situation, Ben. He says it was freezing. He says it was a kind of kill, cold that kills and there was blackness. It was dark beyond dark and it had consumed everything on that side. And we are actually in a situation, a very interesting situation, where we have this happen in superhero movies. like. In Deadpool, they were kind of making fun of it by not doing this, by just making it a personal story. Every superhero movie has to have the fate of the world at stake. And this is what we have here. Again, the fate of the world. I've never seen the fate of the world at stake in such a low budget way. And that's not a knock here. No, it's not a knock at all. Um, and there's actually some things I want to talk about when we start talking about budget and special effects. There's something very, very interesting dichotomy that I've picked up. Very interesting to me, maybe to no one else. But since I'm the one talking on the podcast, I'm going to go ahead and say it. When hey, we get and there, a night but... of tears and jeers, we can talk about special effects. It's oh, going to happen. Oh, well, I hope so, because I have some fighting words, maybe. But 
Anyway. And when you say fighting words, you mean we're going to hold hands, man. <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about that, too. But anyway, the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that. You, you thought it was just fine in Guardians of the Galaxy. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But here right now we see that it is the world that's at stake and frost. She's not herself or is she, uh, but she wants to bring that stuff over because of power, unlimited, unlimited power. But this is also supposed to be in some ways our tie in to what we've seen with with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but also what we're going to possibly see with, with Doctor Strange. And therefore, it kind of ties into Ant-Man a little bit, too, with some of these quantum realms. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious about how much of a tie-in it actually ends up being. But even if it doesn't tie in, we've got, we've got another universe here. I don't think we're looking at anything that has to do with the Hydra planet. No, I agree. This is not the portal to that place. Which I thought it was at the beginning. I thought that that was, we're tying into that. Well, I, I think it's a good hint. But again, going back to what Wilk said, you know, there was only dark matter there. It's not like he described a world with ruins and sand and the occasional plant life. No, he described a world where there's nothing but dark matter. Yeah, clearly this is not what I was thinking. Which is unfortunate in some ways because I would have liked to see a little more tie-in it would have been great if the arena club was running the experiments doing portals maybe trying to bring over hive a little bit earlier yeah oh yeah because that's right he's been confirmed that's ward well that's kind of a spoiler no uh, they've put it in enough except that i have no idea who that is other than i have a hero clicks of that character um right there with all my other shield hero clicks that i got Oh. So you're not relevant to my interests. Well, it's relevant to a portion of your interests. You, you guys keep trying to make it relevant to my interests, but it, you know. No, I think we're pretty much just sending you pictures of our hero clicks to annoy you at this point. It, it, we're not trying it, to make it relevant to your interests. We're trying to annoy you with Facebook posts about. I'm just going to say this right now. Then, say it. mission accomplished. <sighs> well, I feel much better now. You should. Yeah. You, you you did a good job. Yeah, this is life outside of the podcast is me sending pictures of tiny little toys to annoy Daniel, and it works. And so. me in return, I take pictures of certain phrases found in comic books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no and also of really sad faces of you. That was the saddest selfie I've ever seen that you sent me today. Well, it... It was real life, man. Well, it's something we're going to be talking about post-credits, I think. Is it? <sighs> yeah. 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 Post-credits, Heroes Reborn, finale. That's what we're going to be talking about. Now we're coming back from our commercial break, though. And Manfredi is trying to uh, plan with the team. What are they going to do about the zero matter? Do they it's try going to be an intervention, Ben. An intervention. What is? What they're that's doing what, with her? That's what Joey needs for his girl. That's, that's true. She's going to gather them all in the room, confront her about her issues, her power hunger. Yeah. I need to talk to you about some, just your, your behavior has changed and you just don't, 
act in love the way you used to. And you're obsessed with things on your wall. And so I brought my friend Howard Stark and Peggy Carter. And, and we're all worried and about the butler you. of, you know, who's married to the guy, the girl you shot. The, yeah. Uh, you, you know, when you think about it, too, it's really not his issues really aren't with her hungering power. Her, his issues aren't with her being smart Her issue. His issues with her really has nothing to do with, you know, the instruction of the entire world. His issues really are. She's not paying attention to him. I think that he genuinely I mean, the way they're playing the character, he genuinely loves her and he's worried about her. And like I said, he doesn't understand what's going on, but he's kind of supporting it. He comes in at first when she's writing the stuff down to go on the wall. How's the wall coming? You know, he he's coming in trying to talk about things that interest her, which is good for a relationship. You, you try and and connect over things that the other person likes. Uh, but then, you know, she's she's not receptive and she not doesn't quite threaten him, but you know, don't touch me when I'm working. And and he has that look on his face of just kind of anger mixed with confusion. And this is him. I mean, he's he's acting up a storm here. I thought this ca- character was comic relief for one episode, maybe two. And our finale revolves around this guy. I can't remember his name. I, well, and he's but, a face that you've seen in a few places. Um, I actually, I still don't fully know why I did binge that red hot American summer. I didn't watch that, but I did watch the, um, was it called burning love? Where it was uh, like a bachelor parody. And I think he was a part of that. So, I mean, the thing is, is I've seen him, I've seen him in some silly stuff and you're right. He, he was given a script that basically said, we want you to play this stereotype as a cliche. But in the back half of the script, there's a little bit that said, but you get to have heart. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to play this completely like you're trying to be Robert De Niro. You know, you're, you're going to play it like that as a Robert De Niro parody. But don't forget, you actually have to have real emotion behind it or no one's going to buy it. What we have to have you do at the end of the series. And I again, kudos to him I, I feel like he did a good good job of taking the comedy that he could have just done and and doing much more with it but still doing it as a cliche i mean it's still comedic so he wants to save whitney that's his plan as they're trying to figure out what to do with the zero matter carter wants to send the zero matter back and then howard pipes up with his solution what do what do scientists do they let other people do the research, and then you go in and steal the research and do it for yourself. <laughs> Again, I love this. That's good. I mean, that's you good start right there. Than you, yep. Have them do it and steal it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I do. And it's, I mean, that's what they do. That's their plan. Uh, so Manfredi has to get her to get away from her things on the wall. Um, and now we have some more emotional moments here um tied with a little bit of comedy relief yeah it's 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 black comedy really is what what we're getting here is he brings a friend and convinces his friend to play along with this interrogation and he's convinced frost that he is 
he needs help intimidating one of his men. He's going to pound some information out of one of his guys, but the guy's not afraid of him. And so he's like, when did you join this other gang? And you know, Frost comes. She's going to help. She's standing there. She's getting frustrated. She's getting impatient. She wants to return back to her work. And the guy's just, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't join the other gang. I didn't join the other <laughs> gang. And and Manfredi's just, he's punching him. He's yelling at him. And then finally the guy, oh, they send she, Frost. Come on, just, just, just do the thing. <laughs> just do the thing just a little bit just to scare him and so she goes over to him and he admits to working with the feds <laughs> I, I did not see that coming I, I thought something like this was going to happen I didn't know exactly what um, but it was well timed well done and Frost's like I'm done you know and, and Freddy's oh okay now I gotta kill you okay but first I gotta take care of this this problem I got over here because as he's doing that Susan and Peggy are in frost room and they're taking pictures of all the schematics and of each other and of each other yeah and don't forget they're also ruining equations which never came back well Chekhov's ruined equation was put up on the wall and but i mean it's a great a great move by souza he changes a six into an eight uh on on one of her equations great move but it never comes back well maybe it did maybe she wasn't able to move quickly because of it i don't know maybe that's why they beat her they did beat her uh, because that's the whole plan they're gonna make the thing first they're gonna summon some dark matter open up the rift and she's going to be drawn to it and then when she's drawn to it it will pull the zero matter no, they'll and use the her... gamma cannon on her then. That's right. And that'll knock the dark matter out of her. And then they can have it go be sucked through the rift. Yeah. And Bob and your uncle, the gone. world saved. Yeah. <sighs> so they're going to build this device that's going to bring, open the rift. Uh, there's a nice little funny bit there with Wilkes, Samberly, and Stark arguing about what to call it. That's funny. I like that. It's goofy. But not too goofy. I'm I'm all for it. They build the device. Um, Wilkes is trying to make his peace with everyone around. Um, And when he goes to Sousa, Sousa says, you don't need to apologize. I just want to know why did you hold the gun on her instead of me when you were trying to get the information about where the isodyne rods were. And it's because he knew Sousa had feelings for her. He knew what Sousa would do if her life was in jeopardy because it was the same thing that Wilkes would do. That's cute. It's nice. It hasn't solved our relationship problems here with our triangle, but yeah. And then we literally just get an update on Anna. <laughs> she's doing better and she's really she had strong. A cry. Yeah. She had a cry, but now she's positive and upbeat. She's her again. Yeah. Then. So let's all move on. Speaking of moving on, Thompson comes. He's not a scientist, but he wants to help. What can he do? He could get the dinner order. And so he does. But he does it. He does it. He takes the order. He places the order for some takeout. And then he looks through Master's stuff. There's the pin with the symbol. But Daniel, when is a pin not a pin? When it's a key? Exactly. 
and I couldn't figure out what this thing was when he <laughs> hit the thing and these two little pins pop out. I thought maybe it was some sort of poison delivering device or some sort of listening device. No. I think your mind just goes straight there, doesn't it, Ben? Well, I don't know where to go because it doesn't look like anything that I know. But he recognizes it out of the key. I don't. In my notes, I put, what is the pin? Oh, it's a key after the next commercial. So they're going to test this thing on Stark's back lot. And here's where we're going to talk about some special effects. Because I found this to be a little bit meta. You know, they're testing it and they open up the rift, which is modern CGI. But what's in the background? A painted backdrop of a city street. And so you have this new school CGI effects against old school effects. Now, that's why I say I found it interesting and maybe nobody else in the whole world does. But there we are. Daniel, interesting. Oh, Ben. Is it interesting? It's, huh? it, it's yeah. fine. It's your show, too. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. I didn't really think about it too much. Well, you know who's thinking about it? Frost. She feels it. She knows it's there. She smiles. And we go to commercial break. It's calling to her. It's calling to her. So Master's stuff, there's the folder with all the redacted stuff. Is that, was that Peggy's fake I war crime file? Fake file. Okay. Now, one thing that I did wonder is, you know, is this the original? And, you know, we... But I don't. I, I think in the end it's not. I think it's going to be the incriminating file. Here's my question. Is it fake? Or was she involved in something that could have been considered a war crime after the fact? Not that she was deliberately doing something evil or nefarious. But when all the smoke cleared and they look at exactly what she had done, technically war crime. Is that a possibility? I, I think don't know. it is. There's some possible drama right there, especially considering what happens at the end of this episode. The sad, sad end of this episode. Vindication, Daniel. The sad end of this episode that is not the reason you sent that sad, sad selfie. Nope. So we come back from commercial break and we're in Stargate. Do you remember Stargate, Daniel, where Colonel O'Neill would hit golf balls into the gate, into the other universes that the rift is open there with the Stargate? Ben, I'm that. truly you, only you familiar with Stargate in the fact that sometimes when you're in college and there's nothing on, Stargate was always on. So you remember, you know what I'm talking about. It's not like I was watching it scene for scene, man. But they did this in multiple episodes. Uh, uh, there was MacGyver. And he had the blonde lady, and he had the alien guy, and he'd hit golf and they balls had, into the into the gate. And they had the guy who wasn't Parker Lewis can't lose, and then he and then they had the guy Parker who Lewis. was Parker Lewis can't lose. So I really like Parker Lewis can't lose. That was a good show. That was an interesting character. I've learned a life lesson from the character on Stargate that if you bring in someone new and have the old people act like they don't like him. The people around you are not going to like him. And that's what happened to that character. 
They had all the new actors or all the old actors, not like Parker Lewis can't lose. And so he only lasted one season. Well, no, I don't even like them. Well, I don't know who they are except for MacGyver. I'm just saying from a managerial standpoint, I have used that to say, okay, we're bringing in this new person to take over this role as a supervisor. We need to make sure all the people that she's supervising know we support her and we like her. I call it the Stargate Parker Lewis can't lose principle. Yes. And it's, it's just the way you got to do things. And if I ever write a book, that's going to be a chapter in that management book about sci-fi lessons. I learned about being a manager. How's that? Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I've only had to do it once because I've only hired one person, but yeah. So let's see. Carter and Thompson, they're heart to heart. He gives her the key, the arena club key. Let's talk about their heart to heart, man. They like each other. He's a good man. She says. He, she's mm-hmm. not going to turn him in. But she always said she wasn't going to turn him in. Yeah, but he didn't believe her. You know why? Because he expected her. No, because he expected her to be like him. This is another principle in life. You project your own self on the people around you. And if you're a lying liar who lies, guess what? You expect people to be telling you lies. And if you're someone who has to have your ego stroked, you expect other people to be that way. And she is the one who shows him the light. I use this principle with my kids all the time. There we go. Sometimes what someone says, even if it's a statement about you, is more of a reflection of them than it is of you. Listen to what they're saying. Yeah. It may not be about you. In most cases, it's not. And here's where he finally accepts that what she has been saying to him can be taken at face value. And unfortunately, life lesson has been learned. Character arc has been followed through upon. And we'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there. Uh, Frost comes to the rift. (laughs) They are alerted to her presence by the... uh, Scream? High-pitched squeal of Sam Burley. Yeah. And they, they go through with their plan. And the plan goes really well. And so you know something else is going to happen that's not going to go well. Frost comes to the rift. She gets caught, shot with the gamma cannon. Zero matter gets sucked out of her, pulled into the rift, and she falls to the ground. Her face is fixed, and she is under arrest, and that is the next-to-last scene we're going to have with her. She's just out of the picture now until we wrap up the episode with the ending montage. Is this too easy? Eh, probably. Or if comic books have taught us anything. It's not done. I mean, I just feel like in some ways the conflict with her, it was done a little bit anticlimactically. There, no. there's All of a sudden it's done, you're under arrest. There wasn't any kind of really good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? No, uh, action? Well, there wasn't like any good face-to-face conflict uh-huh. between Carter and Frost. We've had some buildup, and I think that they've done a good job of finding good reasons to bring them together before this final battle. 
But as far as final battles go, not great. Now, that's not their final conflict here in the episode, but it, yeah, unless they bring her back for season three and they brought Dottie back. Totally could happen. Yeah, that, that well, we'll get to it, but that that was confusing when they did that ending montage at the end of this episode. Perhaps maybe not the best final use of a great villain. No, no. And from here, the rift is unstable. They have to shut it down, but to shut it down, they have to go into the danger zone. The danger zone oh, is that area da, da. where... <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I did it. Oh, the guitar. Yeah. I'll be honest. Showed my oldest Top Gun. She didn't get it. <laughs> did not get it. It's like, this is awesome. She's like, yeah, this is stupid. Mm, I could see that, unfortunately. And that's why she doesn't get to go to college. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie in a long, long time. I'm not sure how it will hold up for me either. But it was such a quotable movie. Top Gun. The Danger Zone. If you go inside the Danger Zone, you'll get sucked up into the rift when it starts to close. To close the rift, they were going to use the gamma cannon. No, the the, uh, radio control to turn off the machine that created the rift. No, the radio waves, they our x-rays keep the the dark matter from coming into our world. Okay, well they had to fix the radio control for it. Anyway, you have they had someone had to go in the danger zone to go to the actual machine that had opened the rift and crank it to turn it off to shut because the rift. That's good design right there. <laughs> well, you know, Genius they didn't have a lot of time. They, they didn't have a lot of time to workshop it. And uh, uh, if the, he cranks that thing fast enough, is a jack in the box going to pop out? I don't know. I don't know. Pop goes the weasel. So they're arguing about who is going to be the hero. And there's some good arguments. I love Thompson's. That ah, won't be the first suicide mission I came home from. That was great line from him. He was ready to do it. Carter was ready to go in. Wilkes was ready to go in to make up for all the bad stuff he had done. Uh, Stark was willing to go in because he made it. It's my design flaw. He didn't say that, but he could have. And while they're arguing, (laughs) again, this is a good Stark moment. Hey, that's not fair. He just looks up and, hey, that's not fair. Because Sousa is going in. He has tied a power cord to his waist and to a light post so that he will not be drawn completely in. It will make him float up into the air. Not a bad plan. It's just not long enough. Uh, He gets the crank. He can barely crank it. He's slowly, slowly shutting it down. But he's starting to go up in the air now. So also his lifeline got pulled away from the light post. Carter grabs it. And there's no other way to put it. It's Scooby-Doo time here. You get all of them holding on to each other. If it was Scooby-Doo, there'd be like a vehicle of some sort. Oh, well, wait, we do have a vehicle of some sort, a flying car, the hover car, Chekhov's hover car, if you would, because Wilkes makes fun of Stark for his first hover car not working. And then uh, Stark points out that the second one did work. Well, this is the second one. 
and they're going to send it into the rift and then it will explode and it will shut the rift and everything will be with the core from the gamma cannon right that they can't use because the gamma cannon hasn't charged up and how are they going to get that in there they could just blow it up but how can they get it in there a flying car and it's a nice moment i like this moment and then Sousa drops to the ground and our team falls backward, you know, because they're all holding on to the rope and holding on to each other. Slapstick comedy. Yeah. Well, uh, anticlimactic. I, I love the episode up until this final showdown. You know, Ben, I, I've often said about comic books, you, a lot of times when you got five to six parts, Writers sometimes take so much time with the first few parts that that last part in the end is rushed. And I've done that. Uh, so it doesn't feel as satisfying. I can point to you to one of my books, especially where I'm just like, oh, I should have taken the time to go back and adjust the beginning to give myself more space at the end instead of cramming it into the end. I regret it to this day. No one's read the book based on sales anyway, but I still regret it to this day. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, that's a little bit of what's going on here. I mean, we've got to finish this thing up. Yeah, but I, there was a lot. I mean, this episode could have been just more about the conflict between Carter and Frost. And I feel like that's what it should have been. Uh, I, and we I just don't like get this that should have been the final climax, the final battle between a great hero and a great warrior, a great hero. A great hero, I mean, I hero and a great villain. Season. And and we had a great hero and a great villain. It's just that this final thing. Yeah. Perhaps driven by synergy to get us to Doctor Strange. But not really. I mean, I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like any of this is pointing to Doctor Strange in a way to say, look, look, a movie's coming. Look, look. This is just more look, look, this universe is cohesive and unified. And that's not a bad thing. Not at all. Again, I just wish for a little bit more of a final conflict. And we didn't get it. But is it an unsatisfying ending? Not completely. Not completely unsatisfying. Especially when you get to our final montage. Well, Ben, I was already satisfied because Howard had hit on Rose earlier in this episode. In front of Samberly, in fact. Yeah. Was he just being a jerk to Samberly? I don't think so. Or is it just that he hits on any woman? I think he found Rose interesting. She is interesting. She is gorgeous. But she doesn't seem like his type. His type being the Hollywood starlight, you know. I think that he is more complex than you think he is. It's quite possible that he is. But yes, he does have impure thoughts. I did think that he was doing it, though, in some ways just to get at Samberly. Because he, I think he needs to hire really Samberly. doesn't like Samberly. Well, in fact, he will be Samberly's boss soon, I'm assuming, when Howard's the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. But Samberly has a job. He doesn't need a job. You know who does need a job? Again, he's probably going to work for Howard when he was with S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, but he already has the job now. You're not getting my segue. He doesn't Um, need a job. You know who does need a job? Wilkes. Yes. (laughs) And this was you, right? You predicted this, correct? Well, they talked about it in an earlier episode. 
Uh, I predicted that he would be working for SSR. And yeah. I, I figured it didn't matter. They, they, sure, they talked about it, but I figured he'd end up working as an SSR scientist with Samberly. Now, let's get not get too fast, because we have to remember this short, Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. It did occur after these things. Yes. Because that occurs immediately before the creation of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. And S.H.I.E.L.D. were not there yet. Yes. So. So. I'm just saying no Wilkes, boyfriend really seemed to be there. No what? No boyfriend seemed to be there. Well, I'm just saying Wilkes could end up working for S.H.I.E.L.D. or even the SSR. But for now, Stark has property in Malibu. Well, yeah, where Tony lived. Mm-hmm. I got that. Yeah, that was a nice little. On the, on the ocean. Foreshadowing, right? So what's Wilkes building? Eli's containment. Arc reactor containment, perhaps? I don't know. He's got a special project for him, though. Maybe season three we'll see it? Mm, doubt it. I think Wilkes is done. I don't know. If Howard's coming back, Wilkes could come back. And Howard is probably coming back. Oh, you have to have Howard, regardless of whether or not Preacher's still going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Sifts is still on. What's that about? <laughs> people are watching it, making it a hit. <sighs> At least in that preview for next half season, I saw a mustache. That's true. You did. You did. But no, but no Asgardian warrior women. We don't really need them. It looks like we're going to get plenty of superpowered beings without having to go to Asgard. Um, but she's she's pleasant. No, she's great. She's wonderful. Lady Sif is wonderful, and she's a good addition to a recurring friend list for Shield. But she's got her own successful show. Yeah, yeah. Just keep reminding us. So, bottom line with this scene here, as we're ending things off, Carter and Wilkes, not happening. Now, something else happens later on that Carter and Wilkes is also clearly not happening. But but Peggy does make some interesting comments here, because Peggy's going back to New York, Wilkes is going to Malibu, mm-hmm. and Peggy does point out, you know, she's discovered in life, it does no good to sit there and worry about things that didn't happen. Yeah. And this, to me, is her saying... Yeah, this didn't happen. (laughs) I don't think she needed to say it. He knew. They both knew. And they both appreciate each other. I I feel like if they had been together, he would have always thought about the fact that he once held a gun on her. Yeah. That's possible. Unless he was able to really accept the the forgiveness that she offers. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I understand. Should we talk about the real elephant in the room? Well, what's the real elephant in the room? The fact that Howard is eating in a bathrobe but has no shirt. Yeah, and he's getting ready to go swimming with no trunks. With a woman that he recently had unpure thoughts about. Well, he's... I just find it creepy. I This is not Walt Disney. Walt Disney does not do this. No, but that's because you're projecting your image of Walt Disney on Iron Man 2. No, I'm projecting the fact that we know that Howard definitely matured between here and Iron Man 2. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. We don't see enough of him to know what's going on 
off camera for him. But okay. Well, here we got to wrap things up. We've got Frost. She's been committed. But boy, was this confusing at first. I'm thinking they arrested her, but she's in her dressing room. And then there's Calvin. Uh, I was confused. And it took me a moment. And I thought, oh, they're panning across the mirror. Ah, we're going to see her. And she's, you know, we're seeing what she sees in the mirror. We're going to see her in real. No, no, no. She is in a cell. She is locked in a cell. She does not look good. But man, Freddie, she is coming to, or he is coming to visit her. Because he loves her. Even though in her delusion, she's talking to Cal and talking about how much he loves her. Well, Cal only portrayed her in about three other different ways. Oh, I attempted murder. Didn't you feel bad for Manfredi? I felt bad oh, for Manfredi. But I had bigger issues with this scene. What's that? This is our last episode. Mm-hmm. I want my mask. Yeah, I know that there, there was the drama and comedy masks on her imaginary bed frame. Mm-hmm. I want my mask, Ben. I want my mask. Yeah, they did not give it to us. Not the way we thought we were going to get it. No. And this would have been a great moment to get in the mask, either because she's attempted to disfigure herself or... Can I MCU it for you, Ben? Sure. After the removal of dark matter mm-hmm. from Whitney Frost, mm-hmm. she is no longer able to look at her unscarred visage, which she now sees as being ugly and offensive to herself, leading her to wear a porcelain mask. Which they would not allow her to have in the prison cell, but the yeah. porcelain I'm mask. I'm totally ripping off like Dr. in the Doom cell. Too. There's like Doctor Doom episodes where he takes off the mask and he looks fine. I'm saying the the mask that you're talking about in the cell, she sees it. She's wearing it in her subconscious. I would have been fine with that. I want my mask. I, I do like that idea. Uh, I just want Thanos in a movie. And uh, not a mask <laughs> in a mask. I remember like the three things that I was asking for at one point. Yeah, Madam Mask in a Mask. Is that really one of your asks? Yeah, that's one of my asks. I got a lot of asks, Ben. Yeah. I'm a simple man with a lot of needs. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked about your simple needs in a long, long time. In a long, long well, time. Well, it's because they were mostly giving me what I needed. That's true. So maybe just it's time for a new list. It's time for a new list. All right, number one, Mask. A Mask for Madam Mask. Is that too much to ask? Number two, I want to visit Kun Loon. I think you'll get that when we get to to Iron Fist. So Jarvis has convinced Carter to stay in L.A. He kind of likes it there. He kind of likes her being uh, Has he there. really convinced her? Well, I think he's I mean, hinting he, and encouraging and suggesting perhaps if there's just one thing, maybe one thing could keep her to stay. Well, she's going to stay. You know why she's going to stay? There's work to do in L.A. Well, no, no. She, and she's going to work for the she's going to work for the SSR because we we're at the airport. But she. Then no, we, no, no, no. You're mi- OK, Ben. You need to slow. He's driving her. Uh huh. He offers to take her to the airport. Right. 
but she has to go to the SSR office. Oh, that was the some paperwork. Office. Thompson is also still in L.A. They're insinuating that Thompson and her are leaving together. Well, but that's after this scene. Yeah, that exactly. That. But again, she's not staying yet. Yes, she is. Well, she's got to go to the office and fill out some paperwork. See, and I that's what she that. does. That's, she's... The, that's the missing element that I missed was the paperwork. Yeah. Because we cut from yeah. him talking to her outside the building. I thought they were at the airport. Jarvis's early Deadpool. No. No, they're at the they're at the talent agency. And then she's in the office with Sousa and he's talking about how the case is closed. I took that as he was talking to her. You You don't want to go. And she says, yeah, okay, fine. And then... She's back. She's back in the office. I didn't even catch the paperwork thing. My yeah, bad. She's not. And we've got a bigger fundamental problem, which is she can't stay in L.A. Eventually, she has to be moved back to the East Coast. Why do you say that? She's because staying. of the short, which occurs directly before the formation of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, we'll get there. See, I, I know a lot of people are like, we got to figure out a way to make this all retcon together. We don't. That's the end point of these Agent Carter pre-Shield adventures. You can do whatever you want to between age, first Avenger and, and that point. So you could have her work in L.A. for a few years. You could have Sousa. I don't know. Maybe maybe something happens to Thompson. Maybe Sousa comes back east. Maybe they have a bad breakup. I mean there's a lot of things that could be going on to get her back to – where we need her to be, where we need her to be level set again, which is stuck in the phones in an SSR office with a bunch of jerks. Man. And you know what? We're one step closer. And maybe it's the workplace romance that puts her back on the phones because she starts making out with her supervisor. And a supervisor. Yeah, that's true. A supervisor. Um, but this is where we realize finally that ship is happening. Ben, I have to admit, I've had a workplace romance. I have as well. I was married well, to someone that I was working with. And I was married to Mrs. Butcher for quite a few years as she was my boss. Mm, it wasn't quite that for me. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was tense. Like, I believe that. <laughs> So they kiss. But much like our relationship, Ben. <laughs> uh, let's not compare our relationship to your relationship with Mrs. Butcher. It's just a little awkward when you do that. True. Yeah. True. Let's get away from the awkwardness. Susan Carter kiss. We go to the title card like we do at the end of every episode, but we do get a tag scene here, just like we did at the end of season one. Thompson on the phone realizing, okay, she's taking more vacation, so she's not coming back to New York. There's your retcon right there. She's not staying necessarily. Right now it's still vacation with no, Eric No, I, I took this to mean this is going on at the same time. What's going on at the same time? That the same day. It is, it is. Huh, yeah. He's, he's finding out right now what happened just recently that she has called in and said, I'm going to continue my vacation. In Los Angeles. And he's okay with it because he's okay with her now. But there's a knock at the door. The door opens and no one is surprised. A man with a gun is there, shoots Thompson. 
And I say no one is surprised. I mean, as soon as the knock on the door happens, you know, on the other side of that door, it is not something good. I was really hoping it's Dottie. Well, whoever it is, they but take he said the, it's the guy who killed the Waynes and Batman in Gotham. So <laughs> he takes the file. He takes the file that is supposedly a fake indictment of Peggy Carter. Supposedly, it's a fake detail of her war crimes. If it's important enough to murder someone over it, I think there's more to it than just the fakeness of these war crimes that's if it is her file and I, I need to get another look at it but i think it is it is it's that file all right anyway thompson we don't know if he's dead yet but he has been shot he's dead enough he's dead enough and i believe i said he was not going to get dead and i said he was gonna die and so i lose again <laughs> You lose finally. Not even close. Because pretty much the opposite of what I said happened. And when it's the opposite, you're 100% wrong. So, yeah. That's how the math works. I am completely owning that one. But, yeah. Is he dead? Oh, he's dead. So, season three might be... Shot through the heart and loves to blame. More than likely, season three will be Thompson-less... Which I guess we'll have to live with. You, you know, I'm actually fine with that. I think there was times they didn't know what to do with Thompson in the season. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they they totally, though, they, they gave him a good story arc here. They gave him a good character arc. And, yeah. But now he's gone. Now he's gone. And leading us to season three? Maybe. And this is where I was very frustrated because uh, endings. Well, okay. So uh, we, I would have preferred an ending. I would absolutely have preferred an ending. I almost wish Thompson had died closing the rift, but allow me to give you these possibilities, Ben. I have a possibility of myself that I want to give three season three. Resurrect the shorts program. The one shots. Or flashback, flashback episode, episode in Agents of Shield. Shield. Yep. Yeah, that no. was. If there's not a season three, they could. I don't know if they would, but they could uh, wrap things up over at Agents of Shield. I mean, here's the good news: these are all produced by Jeff Loeb. You know, he's got his finger. He's basically the Kevin of Marvel TV. Mm-hmm. So and by Kevin, you don't mean Kilgrave. No, I mean, I mean, K Dog. Yeah. Um, and so he's there supervising all this. So he could find ways to work. I mean, you could even make an episode of Most Wanted be like tracking down Peggy's lost file. Dominic Fortune sits in front of his large desk filled with lush woods and leathers. Bobby, and if he ages slowly, I need you to find the lost Peggy Carter file. Yeah. I, I could see them. It's stolen by Hydra. I could see them doing that, you know, later on when we aren't expecting it. It's like all of a sudden, oh, yeah. Nice. Or, hey, spoilers at the end of Secret Avengers Volume 3, 
there uh we got mockingbird we got winter soldier we got quake and we got somebody else sitting in a diner looking to do a little good a little bad and then nothing ever happens so that could happen too well that's probably what's gonna happen i if there's a season three then this cliffhanger does its job if there's not a season three then this cliffhanger does its job of making you want more which makes it unsatisfying um, I'm just saying we've not seen the real Mandarin yet. Wink, wink. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, we were fine with the Mandarin stuff. We didn't. We don't need to go there again. I don't know what your problem is. I'm I wasn't saying, fine with that one shot. I don't. I don't understand why you're bringing that up now, though. Well, sometimes you don't get to see what happens next. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But they they set this up clearly for season three, so. I have two other things that we're going to be talking about that I'm going to compare this to. I was hoping well, it'd be a favorable comparison. Well, and then I have one thing that you've completely left out that we need to talk about. And what's that? No, oh, okay, I'll go there first. No, because my some... two more things are after our post-credit stuff. Okay, uh, we're getting some nice Peggy and Jarvis material here. Um, they've made up. Peggy refers, you know, as we go through the montage of boys, that Jarvis is the best one there. Um, we see her at the end being very, very worried about upsetting the Jarvis family by not wanting to be there when Anna's there, by not wanting to inconvenience Anna by taking Jarvis away. Um, and she gets love and forgiveness in return. And it's it's clear that the Jarvis family and Peggy are on very solid footing. Yes. And that's and good. And again, not comedy relief, but he's the good guy. He's the solid guy. Dude. Mm, comedy relief. Comedy no, relief. No, Howard's comedy relief in this one. He's He was loving it. He was eating the script up today. Still. Dominic saw this and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just the delivery didn't work I for me. I get to say so stupid stuff about not having a swimsuit on. Boom. The delivery felt, I don't want to say phoned in. It was more to it than that, but... But again, when we talk about story arcs, you know, the Jarvis Peggy friendship has continued and maybe completed their arc right at the moment. Yeah, I'm ready for a new arc. So, yeah, overall, the season's good. The season's really good. The finale didn't live up to the promise that the season was giving me or that I felt was implied. Is it bad? No. But it's not as great as the rest of the the parts. So, any other thoughts here for you, Daniel? No, I'm good. Get great season, better than season one, which Amazon really needs to make available on Blu-ray again. So, all right. But good, good season. Uh, I I think again the biggest misstep is the end of the fact that we don't have Peggy and Whitney hitting each other. They don't have to be hitting each other. Uh, no, they needed to be hitting each other. No, I I just wanted to see them. Even if even if figuratively hitting each other. Okay. Well, if, if you're talking metaphorically about conflict, then yeah. All right. Shall we move on to our next segment? Let's go forth. Here we go. SSR Field Report. 
And we don't have a lot of feedback um, right now about this Peggy Carter stuff. Uh, but we did have a, a person we need to give a big thank you to. And that is Agent John from Oz. And he sent in a iTunes review, five-star review, which we really appreciate that. Uh, title is Your Friendly Neighborhood Podcasters. That's fun. And uh, had some very kind kind words about what we're doing. Um, the five stars, the kind words, they help people to find this podcast so they can join in the conversation as well and be a part of our just little, little group of, of, of fans, a little fandom, fandom family. So we want to say thank you, Agent John, for doing that. We really appreciate that. Thank you very much, sir. And then we have one uh, phoned in uh, feedback that I'd like to. Yeah, I'm nervous about this. Well, it was just, you know, it's nothing you're nervous about. You ready? Okay, let's hear it. Yeah, someone someone teased us by saying, hey, can I send you a question? And then Daniel gets all worried. Daniel, it's fine. Here it comes. Hi, Ben and Daniel. Uh, this is Agent Ricky. And I want to know, uh, when you guys start off, there was just the movies and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was uh, coming on. You guys now have two, possibly three series to talk about, plus the Netflix shows. And I know that's going to be a lot of time and stress for you guys to figure out how to get everything. And I just want to know, if you knew what you know now, would you have still done the podcast? Uh, thanks. You guys do a great job. And I look forward to hearing the answer. Agent Ricky out. All right, Daniel. If you knew what you know now, would you have answered the call to podcast about Level 7? Hmm. If I had known what I knew now. Hmm. That there's just so much. Hmm. You know, I'm going to listen to your question first. Your response. My response is possibly would have done things a little bit differently and structured things a little bit differently. I'm not sure what, um, but I feel pretty good about what we're doing now. I mean, there's times when I was like, oh, man, I wish we could have more Jessica Jones episodes out by now. But stuff what's going on there was just no way to make it happen and that's the other thing you know when you're podcasting uh and you're not doing it professionally uh you gotta say you know family first life first and you know we do this for you who are listening right now and for each other we're having fun together having the conversations um so yeah i i i do say i'm glad we're not doing we didn't start out like doing an arrow podcast that would have ended up if we were trying to do it the way we're doing this, like two episodes a week with arrow and flash and then legends of tomorrow. That's three episodes of that DC universe. And is Supergirl part of that, that universe? Uh, yes. Suddenly yes. you're looking at four. They have, there's weeks where there's four episodes that go in that DC universe, um, happening every week. Uh, we haven't had quite that kind of a mess, but you know, I, I would have done things 
I maybe would have structured things a little bit differently to have it get a little more order and and maybe invited, you know, another friend in at the beginning so we'd have a, a trio. Um, so we'd be able to pass off a little bit of the, the workload on, on each other. But, well, and the thing is, is, is I think it's hard for both of us when we're not, you know, on top of it. When we're a little bit behind, I, I think we're both a little stressed out about the fact that we don't have Jessica Jones done and Daredevil's coming soon. And Although the, we do have our Daredevil the, plan and that, that we, is a restructure of, of sorts with, with Daredevil. It'll be interesting uh, this summer. I'm not going to say much more about it right now, but yeah, we've got a good plan, I think. I, I hope so. Cause <laughs> well, if we don't, people are going to not listen. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. You know, but I mean, if we had really known now what we know then, what what would we have done? You know, it's possible what I might have done is just, you know, ask for us to do a podcast on Mighty Med on Disney XD because it only has 44 episodes. So, Or maybe have done Netflix altogether as one single thing instead of as you know, the, the constant episodes. That would have been something we maybe could have done differently. No, I, you don't think we would have just tried to find a show that got canceled then. <laughs> I thought about it, but then I, yeah. I mean, no, I can't go there. can't go there. All right. Well, and you are getting your other show. You're, you're getting a podcast about the other show you would have podcasted about with a definite yeah, ending. It's check off the bucket list. After tonight. Yeah. Heroes Reborn. We're going to be talking about that after our credits. But in answer to your question, Ricky, yeah, still would have done it, but maybe would have tried to restructure it differently if I knew what was what was going to be dumped upon us. Well, that we were hitting a renaissance, my man. Yeah. I mean. And, and I mean, I do think we've at times taken a little bit of a shortcut. I mean, we could have done a whole Dare, a Deadpool episode. We could have. Because we had, you know, we did a Fantastic Four one. We've done X-Men ones. You know, at a certain point with something like that, we had to evaluate, you know, do we really need to do a full episode about Deadpool when it's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's also not necessarily relevant to interests? Yeah. And with the next X-Men movie, who knows what's going to happen with that based on timing? I don't know. It, it, maybe it, maybe instead we should have done a podcast about the TV series Hey Girl that only lasted 12 episodes on MTV. There really is a series called Hey Girl? It debuted in 2013. Wow. <laughs> Here's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Glad we didn't go there. No, I don't think it would have been relevant to our interests. All right. Well... Daniel, I think it's time for us to wrap things up. So if you have any words of wisdom, now is the time to share them. Um, love the ones you're with. <laughs> and I just want to say that sometimes you guys are listening and Daniel says something. And, and I don't really know what it means. And do you want to know why I don't understand what it means, Daniel, when you say something? Are you ready? Because I'm about to speak truth. I don't understand you sometimes because, frankly, I don't speak megalomaniac. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. 
You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is Little Lily Swim by Tritachion, found at soundcloud.com slash tri Tachyon. All right, Daniel. Tears and jeers. Heroes Reborn finale. Finally getting to it. And I told you, we're going to be talking about finales done right and finales done wrong. And I was going to compare this Heroes Reborn finale to the X-Files finale. And you said, I don't care about the X-Files. And I say to you, Daniel... It's it's valid to the conversation, along with our Carter finale. Now, with the Carter finale, if that's if that's stepping into season three, it's a great ending. And with the X Files finale, I was loving X Files all the way up until that finale because it was representative of what I loved about the X Files before. But our finale for X Files was not great. Because oh, I'm was, beginning to wonder if all three finales have the same sort of problem. The Heroes Reborn has a similar problem, but I'm going to tell you right now, Heroes Reborn felt like a finale done right. With X-Files, it was all set up to a cliffhanger. And well, but the the thing is, uh, spoilers, I guess, but that we have a next volume hinted at. We've got, you know, basically the first step of the next volume. Coming here at Heroes Reborn, which is what they did basically with every other season. Yeah. I mean, even Claire jumping off is the introduction to the next phase of Heroes when she jumps off the Ferris wheel. I could have done without the scene with the cards in the end. I could and have been They okay should with have done without it. Yeah. Just give me the montage. Let me see that Melina's going to school, that Nathan's got a girlfriend, that's our, you know, the invisible girl and Batman, or now Batman and Robin. You know, give me these moments. Give me Quentin's speech in the end. Yes. You know, yeah. in me with Quentin talking and, and basically saying they're not heroes, they're just ordinary. Into me there. Don't lead into the same format that we've seen before of the next volume. When you Because the thing is, is, you know, maybe they would have. Maybe they could have gotten a second volume of this. But Wait. really, this was their opportunity to wrap it up and to tie it up. And they had to know that chances of another volume were slim. And most people who watch this, even if they were to extend the the tarot card man and who's your daddy into something like a comic book storytelling. Most people who saw this aren't going to read that. Any cliffhanger is a risk. And lots of shows that I enjoy have ended with cliffhangers. And I, I hate that. I, I do not like that, especially when I'm being promised a a complete arc, a complete story. And, and, and we've got an episode oh we've got an episode that has so many feels. So they had to go and put this question back of who's the dad. Well that's just it exactly. I mean And now it leads us to question whether or not Claire makes bad choices before she dies. Because so, this guy's clearly not good. Yeah, and and so this this one here, 
they knew before it went to air and they could have so easily just yeah, they could have scrubbed it scrubbed the that part and ended with a wonderful bow that you know what they could have done again this a heroes tie in because of Brian Fuller who helped on heroes they could have done a pushing daisies pushing daisies they knew they were done so they went back and they added a little montage where they tied up everything well in life on mars that's another one that I, i'm not going to spoil the ending in case you want to watch the show i love I that it. show the ending was them basically halfway through the back half they found out we're done and so then the writers room wraps up the mystery and then gives us this <laughs> You might say cheesy ending, you might say stupid ending, or you might say brilliant ending, but you know they but they it knew. makes an ending for the story that they have, and uh, I think they did that with Journeyman too. But then you have something like uh, Space Above and Beyond. You have something like um, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones like this. But you know, if you stop yourself though, and this is where I'm talking about something done right. With X-Files, the characters I cared about walked through an entire final episode that I didn't care about. With Carter, the episode, the, the characters I cared about walked through an episode that I did care about. But they then just added on that little bit at the end. Carter's taking the risk because they don't know. Heroes Reborn, I'm convinced they had to have known before they, they aired the episode. They could have easily done the tweak. Oh, they definitely knew before they aired that episode. And so, again... But the characters walked through an episode, Daniel, it doesn't make it something I'm going to walk back to. And, and I'm going to make this final statement and turn it back over to you because this is your more more your baby. But for me, the episodes leading up to this have been kind of, eh, okay, this episode, I feel like it wrapped things up nicely, made the previous episodes where I was, wasn't quite so sure about things. And you know, liking things, but not sure if I'm really enjoying or not. This one made up for it and took all those threads and gave me something enjoyable for an ending. And there were things I was expecting with how they were going to end it. Things I wasn't sure about that they did. And I was like, ah, I didn't know they were going to do that. That was kind of cool. And I felt like the characters I liked uh, they they got a, an opportunity to have a good ending to their arc. Well, and characters that you like that only were there for a few minutes. I mean, Micah. Micah has a great ending here. Mm -hmm. You know, he's out. He's still using his powers, and he's a hero. I mean, people are coming to a place where he's able to use his powers to help them. And horn rim glasses, man. HRG. Well, we'll get, well, I okay. We'll take, we'll, we'll, we'll take it at your pace. I'm trying to get through. We'll take it at your pace. I'm trying to get through because they telegraph it a little bit. They do. They and I was fine with them telegraphing it. Um. So so let me do the jeers. I have cheers and jeers. OK. Uh, our special effects are horrible. <laughs> These special effects are just nasty. They're not working well for me at all. Yeah, there was some unfortunate special it, effects. So they're going for big. They're going for big imagery, big backgrounds, big ideas. 
again, comparing it to Agent Carter's finale, you know, we got a hole in the middle of the screen. That's all that's really being animated, and we're finding ways to lift some stuff up through practical effects. Worked a lot better for me. A smaller scale effect, still a big idea. Hey, and in both cases, they're, they're effects that are supposed to indicate the end of the world. But, you know, so we've got that. We've got the flare and, and uh, uh, oh, Chuck, you know, dying in that whole sequence. Another thing that special effects wise that really, really failed for me was the dream wall. It felt like a montage of various artistic images slash something we might see at the Oscars. <laughs> as Nathan's looking back at his life, it just really <laughs> failed for me as an effect. Um, and then Nevermore. I'm uh, I Nevermore need to see Nevermore. I like the Escher rooms that that Nathan walked through. Nathan Tommy, mm-hmm. but the video game stuff it just it always failed for me. And it continued to fail here. I never need to see Nevermore again. Well, it's true. You, you aren't going to see it again. Well, maybe in comics. But but it, so my jeers tended to be special effects things. And um, <laughs> like literally when you talk about trying to connect and using the special effects, there was literal cheering in my house when Luke dies. Literal, literal cheering. And, you know. There's things about Luke's death that I liked. I liked him basically coming out and saying, I've done horrible things. Yeah. And there has to be a consequence. And I'm glad they went there and they were responsible with it. But then the actual effect of him dying just kind of looks stupid. (laughs) And I'm sitting here thinking, really? Luke just ate an entire solar flare? You know? Yeah. And – and, and it was just to, to bide time for the second one that's coming. Uh, so, so there was a there was a jeer in the special effects department. But like we said, he had to die. Uh, I, another, that was his jeer special effects. Watching Melina get pulled up by the darkness, it just fell flat to me. And again, we've talked. He's been on the Death Watch since the beginning. Yeah. So, well, I mean, here we are, though. You, there's there's problems, but it's the same problems we've been having this entire series. Uh, a ch- a cheer. Here, I'll give you a cheer. Let's hear it. Um, we've now retconned what happened to the Irish girlfriend. How's that? She died. Her reality ceased to exist. It's all laid out to us 7,000 years from now. You know, if you go back there and, and this event doesn't happen, this reality ends. And so when I saw them explain that physics, I think it answered one of the great unanswered questions, which is what happened when Peter left his Irish girlfriend in the future? The answer is she died. Now, you can look at that as an additional moral failure on Peter's part if you want to, but uh, (laughs) I feel as if we close that loose in. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, um. So here's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to try to get through this, Ben. I really am. Okay. Um I'm literally a hot mess. Um I sent you the picture. Would you confirm that I was both warm and messy? I saw a very sad-looking man. Um so 
earlier, early in the episode, I had some light tears. And I didn't expect it because like you, the last few episodes have fallen relatively flat for me. There's things about them I liked, but overall the presentation didn't work for me. When Nathan slash Tommy Young is is shown the video and told that that's his mother. Mm-hmm. And I you hear her voice. Um, I began to tear up. You know, I tearing up sort of because of a parent and seeing this child who hasn't really known his history and getting it. I, I was emotional and I found myself really kind of shocked by that. Uh, I'm a grown man, man. I literally cry once a year. When I transition a group of lacrosse kids out, I cry. They make fun of me for it. Um, parents actually take bets. It's it's crazy. <laughs> How many minutes into Daniel giving his end of the year speech will it be? Actually, it's not even minutes, seconds. Will it be before he cries? Um, it's usually not very long. When I realized that they needed the conduit, I instantly knew it was Noah. See, I didn't. I thought it was going to be Nathan getting one of his other selves. But then I realized that well, that doesn't work because they need a conduit between Nathan and Nathan can't be the conduit when he's something yeah, he can't be Nathan on. And remember, we haven't seen him for what, two episodes now since Nathan took him. Right. Well, and I hadn't, I mean, I, when they went to that scene, I smiled because, oh, that's clever. I like it. And so this, I felt in the end that what we have here is the best character to come out of heroes in horn rim in Mm -hmm. HRG. I'm going to, I'm going to give him his props back to his original, original moniker. moniker. Um, This gave HRG probably the absolute best ending of any hero's character. Um, He gets to, be an unpowered person who's still a hero. He literally sacrifices himself for the entire world. And the algebra for him on that is so easy. Mm-hmm. He he understands immediately, you know. Yeah, we get Grandma Petrelli, you know, it's got to be someone who willingly places themselves between. I don't know where she jumped to that conclusion, you know. <laughs> She's not really a nice person. I don't know why it has to be willing. I, you know, as far as I can tell, you just need a body in between. But the minute he sees that, he knows I will do this. I will willingly sacrifice myself. And I'm thinking he's thinking primarily for my grandchildren. I have to help my grandchildren fulfill their destiny to save the world. And unlike the tech, I love the fact that they gave him time they gave him a few moments so that his grandchildren could say goodbye mm-hmm. and he could say goodbye to his grandchildren so that he could tell them you know this isn't your fault this isn't this is a moment where i'm proud of you and it hit all the feels for me i mean i've been deeply embedded into heroes deeply tied to this show um 
and in many ways, you know, if I could have cut off, if I could have kept these moments here in the end, maybe cut out about five episodes. If, we, if this could have been about an eight-hour miniseries back in like the V variety, I think I could have still had the same sort of effects where I could have gotten a very, very satisfying conclusion to characters that I enjoyed and still been able to have emotional connections to HRG. And I mean, again, I, we've seen a lot of characters and heroes who died and didn't die. And, you know, this is a pretty clear death. It happened. It was powerful. It was meaningful and saved the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like it's a nice circle, you know, to bring it back full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning. Uh, this was a good circular ending for us where we start out with a villain who did redeem himself. This is a bad guy. Yeah, he was the worst. He's the expert on banging and tagging. And he redeemed himself. Not murder, not like Luke. Bag and tag. <sighs> Though he killed a few people here and there. Oh, he did. But I feel like he's someone who turned it around. He tried to make it better. We saw him trying, though. You know, we saw him working at it. And we saw him over the course of seasons. And so we come to the end here. He's not sacrificing himself to make up for the evil he has done. He is sacrificing himself to save people and especially to save and to help his, his grandchildren save the world. And, and I feel like as for an actor, I, I think that what Tim Green did is he gave Jack Coleman a reward. You know, you've been a great actor. You've been a, you were a great contributor to the success of this. You're the most recognizable and beloved member of this crew. We got a second opportunity Let's finish your story arc. We started it in season one. Now in our new season one, which may be the only season we get, mm -hmm. let's finish it. Let's let's take HRG full circle. And consider this, Daniel. Save the cheerleader, save the world, right? Well, save the cheerleader. She has these two children. And it expands out to this point. No. The world has been saved. Like the globe has been saved from obliteration. Thanks to that nice visual <laughs> of a blue shield. Uh, well, again, we. <laughs> but I mean, if you want to be able to see an episode and, and go somewhere where you can emotionally connect in the end. I mean, I don't I don't get weepy over it. I haven't weeped any like anything like okay, I didn't cry. Okay, my eyes were sweating, just like at the end of Toy Story Three. You looked sad. It's because I said I knew it was coming. Yeah. The minute the minute she said we need a conduit, I knew that it was Noah. I knew it. Well and we hadn't seen him. And we knew he had been gone, and now Tommy can be in multiple places, multiple times, and and you know even him explain Tommy Tommy slash Nathan coming back and and talking to him about it. You know, I did what my father taught me. I went through every string, every butterfly, trying to find out what could be done. You know that great mention of hero and reminding us that hero taught him how to do these things and he can remember them now 
He's gone through every possibility, and Nathan has no other choice but that, but to allow his grandfather to be the conduit. And again, his grandfather's willing to do it. He, as he said, I would have died in that storm. He was bought extra time so he could save the world. And save the world, he did. So, you know, considering the unsatisfactory feelings I've had about the series as a whole, we had a satisfactory ending. Maybe because it's slightly better than what we've been going through to lead up to this point. That's my final word. I think it's time for a final word on you so I can then play that final Carter sting. Um, I think I really would like to thank Tim Kring for and CBS or is it NBC? I can never remember. It's NBC. It's NBC. Uh, for giving me one last chance to visit my friends. Well, some of my friends see where some of them have gone. I was mostly okay with it for about eight of 13 hours. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely okay with it in the end. Eight of 13 hours. That's about the ratio. Yep. Okay. Oh. Well. Can I go back to crying now? Yeah, yeah. You can go back to crying or sweating your eyes or whatever. And uh, this is this is sad for me. This might be the last time we play this Carter Sting. So you ready for it, Daniel? Bucket list checked. Here it, Heroes podcast done. <laughs> and here it is, unless we come back for a season three. <laughs>